0: Welcome to the Well Grand Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experienced the presence of God through this message by friend of the well, Dr. Leon Van Rooy. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Pastor Kathy. And uh, we can see that God is moving today and uh, touching and working in some unusual ways. I've come expecting today. I've come expecting for you, I've come expecting for me that God would just do a great work in and through your life. Hallelujah. Today, by the grace of God, I want to appeal to your spirit, man. I don't want to appeal to your mind and your intellect, but deep cries out to deep. When I say I, I believe I'm speaking on behalf of God, Those who speak must speak the oracles of God. Today, I want to deliver the word through the mind into the spirit that would awaken and refresh you in a new level of breakthrough, not only for your own life, but for something bigger than yourself. I know that many of you are facing your own set of circumstances and your own needs, but there are times we have to shift from our own to something bigger than ourselves the mission, the purpose, the plan of God. And it's fine in your spiritual infancy to be about yourself, but there comes a point when we have to grow and go beyond our own needs, our own circumstances, and we have to start influencing the world around us. One of the things that I focused on and I continue to focus on is that I want to raise up world changers. Again, when I say I want to, I want to do it on behalf of God. It's the kind of mission that He has given me. I believe that when we step into any environment and we put our feet down, that in that place, we are carriers of God's glory, carriers of God's power, of His light, of His love, of His word. We are ambassadors of the Most High God. We are world changers. And in this world, He says we are his light and we are salt and therefore I believe that you can have an influence that is just beyond your own set of circumstances to a mission that is to change this world for the glory of God. The word declares arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And even the kings will come to the brightness of your shining, in other words, As carriers of the glory of God, we will influence the leadership of the city, of the nation, of the business, of the economic world, that we can bring a shift and a change, but that shift and change starts in you. Today, I want us to go beyond the veil of the flesh, the veil of our own circumstances, into the glory of God, into a realm that is deeper than ourselves. I want to awaken you by the Spirit of God, from the ordinary into the extraordinary, from the natural into the supernatural, and a shift in the atmosphere. I believe we saw a shift on Friday night, we saw a shift take place on Saturday from 10 till 3 last night, we saw a shift taking place, and this morning, certainly, I'm believing For a shift to take place that we will indeed step into a realm in the open heaven. The curtain has been torn. God has come to us and we can come to him. We can draw near and enter into all the provision. I love what it says in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son. Why? Because of his great love. His great love for you, for us, for this world. For God didn't just love the world. Firstly, he loved you as an individual. And he loves us as his church. And he loves the world. And because of his great love, he did not spare his son. The value of your life, the value of your salvation is found in the investment of God when he gave his son. Hallelujah. He did not give his son uh, to take your place so that you would be condemned, but that you would be saved. Not just saved from hell to heaven, but that you could walk in all the provision of God's life for you on earth. And listen to this. If he did not spare his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Everything that you would ever need for your life is already existent in your spirit, man. Hallelujah. He has not withheld his hand. His generosity has been revealed to you through giving Jesus. And you have access to all the resource of heaven to fulfill the mission to supply for your life not only for your needs but for your vision for the capacity to change the landscape the spiritual landscape of your life of your home of your family of your business of this church of the city of this nation hallelujah we need a shift one of the things that i would hope to see accomplished today in you that instead of being the point of ministry that you would be awakened to become the minister <laughs> it's fine in your spiritual infancy to be the ministry to always be the recipient but there comes a point when you've got to shift from being the one just getting to giving from just coming to going to carry the plan, the purpose of God and even of your church, which I think is to heal, to restore, to train and to send, to heal. It starts with your healing. To restore, it starts with your restoration. To train, you must be trained to be a a, a carrier of this glory and then to send into your world which may be 10, 20, 50, 100 people, but in that world, you are the closest that some people will ever get to seeing and hearing and touching Jesus, hallelujah. You're a partaker of his divine nature. You're a carrier of his glory. When you leave here today, I'm believing for an increase, an expansion, a growth in your vision, in your faith, in your capacity for what God has for you. <clears throat> One day I, I was caught into the spirit realm, and I've been caught into the realms of God's glory, but in this incident I was caught into the strategy room of principalities and powers, And, you know, we have vision and we have strategy, and darkness has vision and has strategy as well. And there are forces that at work that want to rob you from your inheritance in the saints. There are forces that at work that want to rob you from the divine initiative to lull you into a state of spiritual indifference, slumber, to rob you of your faith, of your confidence, to get you to live as a mere man, to so awaken disappointment in your life that somehow you would begin to doubt the goodness and the love and the provision of God. How many of you have faced those challenges? Of course you have. They have strategies. The Bible says be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to render you useless for the kingdom, to make you so doubt the word that you become prayerless, that you become indifferent, feeling like I can't change this situation. I can't help grow and advance the kingdom. Just lull you to becoming a church attendee, showing up when it's convenient, and you'll find it'll become less and less convenient as time passes. Rob you of your zeal, rob you of your passion, rob you of your vision, rob you of your faith. These demonic assignments they come against you with strategic motivation that comes from principalities and powers. I'm feeling a rumble in Grand Rapids. There's a church called the Well. And there's been a shift, there's a, a growth, there's something happening there. Go and stop that work, go and rob them of their confidence. Go and rob them of their faith. Their prayers are powerful. Silence them. Let them see themselves as mere man. Rob them if possible. Blind them that they don't see who they are, whose they are, what they've been given. Those principalities point their finger and stop that lest they advance the gospel. And people be saved, healed, delivered, changed. The church revived. Silence their faith, silence their prayers, break their confidence, magnify the issues, let them doubt and not believe. When they start to speak the words of life and the words of spirit, let them appear to be foolish. that they never access the language of faith and the language of the Spirit. Mute them, for their words are carriers of life. Their words are carriers of life and glory. We need to mute the church. That's what's happening in that realm right now. There is a God shift taking place right here in this church, right here in this city, and you're a part of it, You've been called into it. You've been drawn by the Spirit into this. And hell rages, seeking to stop what God wants to do. And I'll say this, it's certainly not a boast in the devil who is a defeated enemy, who's under his feet. Jesus has the keys. But our enemy is very Focused and very committed. <laughs> if, if you want to assail the gates of hell that are coming against you, I'm telling you something, you're going to have to come with a greater force than what they are coming against you. Your enemy is very determined. Even when he came to Jesus, he tempted him multiple times and then withdrew waiting for an opportune time. He doesn't give up very easily, as you will know from your own walk of faith. He's always lurking around, if at all possible, to trip you up, to pull you away. When you wanna read the Word, have you noticed how tired you get? Have you noticed when you watch your favorite sport or interest movie that you're wide awake and alert? And then when it comes to prayer time, How distracted you are. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever wondered about that? Why is it when you get ready for church, it's like all hell breaks loose against your home? Because it is. Because he knows when we meet together, something is happening. Because two are better than one. And when we're together, there is an increase and escalation in our force of faith. We've been given great and precious promises. And through these, we have been made partakers of His divine nature. You need to meditate in those great and precious promises. And see yourself in the mirror of the word, how God views you. Because that's how you're going to stand in confidence to these waves of opposition that are coming against your life and coming against the church. Remember, you have been delivered from this world. You've been transplanted or translated from darkness into light. You are not a part of this world system. You are part of the kingdom of God. And you have to make the shift in your mind. You can't play in two worlds. It's very hard to be a world changer when the world is changing you for the worst. And so many people are allowing the message of the world to so penetrate their lives because they give more time to what the world has to say and what people have to say and what politicians have to say than what God's Word says. And people are buying into it, and especially the millennials right now, they have been so brainwashed by the educators that their mindset is no longer on what God's Word says, but they think like the world and they speak like the world and they act like the world and then they want to be carriers of God's glory. You can't live in two realms. Right now, we want to break the spirit of depression that is on young people. It's a manifestation of that message that is infiltrating you, robbing you of confidence. So many people right now, young people, are, are dependent on medication Why is there so much depression in this young generation? Why is there so much suicide because of that message that is infiltrating their lives? This generation of young people, even as my eye moves across this congregation, so many of you, which I love, we need you for the kingdom. You are not just the future of the church. You are the church right now. You are not the future world changers. You are the world changers right now. Yesterday in the training time, I, I shared a testimony. A 21-year-old goes into a village in Africa. They go to a clinic. Why do they go to a clinic? Because they know there's sick people. Why do they go to the clinic? Because they know they are carriers of the, of the plan of God's redemption to cast out demons and to heal the sick. So they go to a clinic and there's a little seven-year-old boy that has never spoken, been sick and weak. And they, they, they minister to that family. The father is studying to become a witch doctor. And they begin to share and they pray for him. And they get the the address of the village, and they they eventually get to the village to go meet that family. Guess who's running around playing soccer and speaking? The seven-year-old boy. The dad has quit witchcraft, and he's now a believer. And they begin to disciple that family. Hallelujah. But notice that I said a 21-year-old girl in Africa. In the villages, a world changer, a carrier of God's word, life, love, and power into that world of darkness, witchcraft, breaking it off. The youngest pastor that I released into the ministry was 18 years old. I went and I reached a village and I had no pastor. I had this young student in my Bible school. And uh, I, I got him in the back of my truck. There wasn't even place on the front seat because I had my dog sitting there with me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a South African thing. And I put him on the back of the truck. And um, I had... Buckets of water, big barrels of water, bags of food. I didn't even tell him where he's going. And I rode about 100 kilometers into the villages, and I stopped at this village, and I said, let's unload the truck, and I put the water and the food, and he stood there looking around, and I said, welcome to your assignment, your village. Plant a church. I will see you in three months. And I drove off. Three months later, I came back to the village. He had a home that he had built with the village. He had a church which he had built with the village, and it was filled with people. 18-year-old can change a village, can change a chiefdom, can change a nation. You're not too young. I would like all the people under 25 just to stand, please. I want to pray for you. Right now. (laughs) Pastor Kathy should be standing according to her calculation. (laughs) Except I've known her 27 years, so uh, I guess she's over 25. She was just in her mother's womb when I met her. (laughs) Come on forward, guys. Come stand here. I want to pray for you as world changes. Give them a hand as they come on down. Beautiful. Look at this. They're not future world changers. They are the present tense of God. Guys, you you need to separate yourself from thinking like a mere citizen of the United States. You're a citizen of heaven. You're born again. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. You are a world changer. When you put your feet down, you possess that land in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can lead your own discipleship groups in your school, in your home. Reach the lost, disciple the found, and help build the church. Take a nation. Take a village. Take a city but do something greater than yourself. Don't just be a church attendee, start to live with passion and vision, uh, taking on something that, kind of like Caleb, he was an old man, you were a young man or woman, but he was in his 80s and he was offered any territory. He said, give me the mountain. Give me the mountain with some giants. I love the Caleb attitude. You don't have to wait till you're 80 to take your mountain take it now. Go and take it. I want to break the spirit of the age off you and set your mind free to think the word of God, the life of God, the spirit of God, and that you would influence your society. Stretch out your hand and your love to these young people. Come on, stand with me and let's pray for them. Get ready to receive people. Just lift your hands and get ready to receive. Just say, thank you, God. Touch my life right now. Fill my life. Change my life. I want to be a carrier of your plan and purpose. Lord God, thank you for these young lives that are standing in front here right now. We dedicate them to you. We ask for divine protection for their lives That you would raise them and amplify the sound of their voice, O God. That it would be louder than the voice of the the media. It would be louder than the voice of the enemy. That the sound of the word of God would be spoken. And you said, let there be light. And the Spirit moved that when they speak the word of faith, that the world changes around them. I pray that you give them a holy confidence and a boldness that is found. In you, that they would not just live as mere men and women, but they would live as carriers of your fame and your power in Jesus' name. Place your hand upon them and raise them for a time such as this. God, if you could take David, a young boy, and anoint him, and he could kill a giant and take on an army. I pray, God, that they would become giant slayers and that they would not only take on a a giant, but they would take on an army and that they would change their landscape, their world. We pray, O God, your nail-scored hand to be placed on each one of them, fill them, change them, raise them, let them become the evidence of your grace to their family, to their friends and to their world, I pray in Jesus' name. And the saints of God said, Amen. I break any depression off you that wants to get on you. I break every spirit of suicide that wants to get on you. And I set you free to live in health, to walk in victory, to walk in authority, and to be a carrier of God's glory. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. You can go back to your seats. Thank you. God bless you. It's beautiful. Look how many young, precious lives in this church. That's what we need. I look for the day when the parents and the uncles and the aunts and the grandparents will be drawn to the house of the Lord because of their faith. That their relatives that are outside the kingdom will be looking for seats can't even find them that's what I'm believing that they'll come here and I don't want to sit out there I want to get in the meeting this place will be filled with young people and then the adults will come can you see it I can see it in the spirit right now hallelujah praise the Lord one of my most favorite scriptures which is every scripture I read at that moment but right now is one that is very famous, Jeremiah 33 and verse three. Everyone probably has memorized it, "Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, things you do not know. There is a wealth. There is a generosity that is being extended to you. The scepter of his righteousness has been extended to you that if you would lay a hold of that righteousness that you can access all the provision for your life, for your vision, for your ministry, for your family, for your business. There is a treasury, heaven's unlimited supply. But notice that he says, call unto me. It is accessible, but you've got to call. You've got to seek. You've got to knock. You've got to open that door with your faith. It's available. But many people are living spiritually impoverished because they've not awakened the call of faith inside of them. I know that this church has been well trained in faith. But I felt this morning as I was preparing for the meeting that I need to touch on some of these things because I saw the enemy coming to rob you of faith, sowing seeds of doubt, awakening fear, all these limitations that would prohibit you from accessing the power of God. Instead of seeing the prayers that have been answered, you see the prayers that appear to be unanswered and you put more stock in what hasn't happened than what has happened. Your confidence has been eroded and then how do you access this unlimited supply without faith? If you spend... Just an hour with me, I will locate your spirit by your confession. You will just begin to speak and I'll be able to see what's in your heart or what's not in your heart or what was once in your heart that has been muted. How many of you feel like the faith has been muted in your spirit? I want to reawaken that faith today you by the word of God, the entrance of God's word will penetrate your spirit and awaken, revive faith, hallelujah notice in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 that the, the prophet speaking on behalf says, call unto me and I will answer you, this is a direct invitation from God to you God says call to me, and not I should, I could, I might, I will answer you, now imagine, I don't know who the wealthiest person is today, it it was Musk, it was Gates, but they, I mean, it just comes and goes these days. Just billions have been lost almost every day in the stock market and different investments. But whoever is the wealthiest person, just imagine Bob Smith is the wealthiest person in the universe besides God. And he says to you, Hey, I really like you. I love you. I believe in you. Um, you have unlimited access to my provision. But all you got to do is shoot me a text or give me a call. He has my personal number. You would be a fool if you didn't take him up at his word. It's funny how we would even doubt a human being who gives you that kind of an offer. How much more do we doubt God has given us an unlimited offer? Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. I will take you into realms that you didn't even imagine existed. If you will call. But when you call, there's got to be the call of faith. It's not a call of doubt. It's not a call of unbelief. There is faith attached to that call. And that's why the enemy has been wanting to rob you of your confidence and of your faith he says if you call I will answer he hears your voice and you can hear his voice you have not the Bible says because you ask not now I know some people ask amiss they get into greed and selfishness but he says you have not because you ask not People have been robbed of prayer power because the enemy has seeded your world, your life, your mind with doubt, unbelief, and fear. And so your authority, your approach, your confidence has been eroded. And instead of pressing in and laying a hold of, you back away. We can see it. People that once prayed, they've become prayerless. Even churches have become prayerless, which is not a new thing, by the way. I've been in the ministry almost 50 years, and the least attended meeting in the average church is the prayer meeting. Why is that? Because the Bible says, if any two shall agree as any, touching anything, it shall be done for them. And we saw in Acts chapter 2 when they lifted up their voice with one accord, and in Acts chapter 4 when they lifted up their voices with one accord, that God invaded the place. And there's an attack against the church to rob them of corporate prayer power. Not only personally we've been robbed, but corporately we've been robbed. It's kind of like God says, I'm going to give you this, this access code to the church that if you get together in unity and faith, you can have anything that you ask. And then he says, hey, we better not let them get into those meetings. Let's distract them. Let's get them to get so busy in their own little world that they don't take up God at his promise, that they don't take up God at his goodness, his generosity. Let them think that they can live out of their own treasury, their limited supply. God's offered them unlimited. We don't want them to get there. Stop them. Oh, I'm too tired to pray. But you've got four hours to watch football. I'm too tired to go to church, which is two hours of thumb, yeah, four hours. don't worry, you'll get home for lunch. My flight's at five o'clock, I've got all day. Someone go. oh no, I told you, let's not go to church today, let's stay in bed. And those that are watching at home, (laughs) (laughs) thank God we stayed at home. We tucked in the bed. I've got a lighter in my hand. Oh, praise the Lord. That's so good. <laughs> we miss you, dude. You lazy thing. <laughs> Call and I will answer. Ask, and you shall receive. He did not withhold his son, Jesus, the love of heaven. How much more will he not with him freely give you all things? In brackets, that you ask. You have not because you ask not. If any two shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done for them. Let's distract them. Let's get them doing something insignificant. Let's blind them to the possibilities of their life making a spiritual difference to the nation. Let's amplify the sound of the politicians, of confusion, of violence, of of abuses, sexuality, whatever it is. And let's mute the gospel. Let's mute the word of God. Let's mute the promises. Turn the volume down. God promises that he will answer. I will. Call unto me. And I will answer you. Ask and you shall receive. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. It is what he says. He is God, and he is faithful, and he is true. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not giving you some false promise that he cannot perform. You don't have to ever worry about your approach to God. It's not like, and I know none of you have ever been into a casino, Uh, you don't get before that little one arm bandit that rips you off and hoping, prayer is not like going to that machine and hoping that you get your lucky break, that you hit the jackpot. You never have to worry. God is not going to have a bad hair day. He's never going to be uh, sleeping or irritated by your approach. He loves you. He believes in you. He believes in you more than you believe in Him. He loves you more than you love Him. And He's proven that He's backed His love with credibility. He doesn't give you false promises. He's true. Jesus said, I am not only the way, but the truth. And he says, Whatever you ask in my name, it shall be given. Truth gives you the truth. The word of God is true, and God is true. And he's given you access to this treasury to change the world, to change your own circumstances. From the natural to the supernatural. From the ordinary, the mundane, into the adventures of the extraordinary. Hallelujah. That's why when I look at these young people, if I could just get you for like three months and train you, you'll take on the world. You'll change the world. If I can get you so full of the Spirit and so full of the Word, You are not the future of the church. You are the church of today. Your life carries such persuasion. Your friends are looking for something real in a very messed up, unreal world. And you, that vital link between hell and heaven, you are the voice of God's appeal to that generation. God will not only answer your prayer, but he will show you great and mighty things. He is a supernatural, powerful, miracle-working God. And he will do for you what man cannot do for you. As men, we do our best to help people, or we ought to. But our supply and our knowledge and our resource is nothing in comparison to his. When we give our best, we'll soon be depleted. But his wisdom, skill, knowledge, abundance will never be depleted. When you've drawn everything that you would ever need, the river of God has not even lost one drop. There is more than enough of God's provision for the entire world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's freely available. But to access it, you've got to have faith. Every promise is yes. When you read the promises found in the word of God, and there are hundreds of them. Every one of those promises is yours, is God's yes to you. There will never be a promise that God will say no to. Some of them have conditions attached. Call unto me and I will answer you. Unless you call, you cannot access. The promise has a condition. Ask and you shall receive. If you don't ask, you can't access. It's not going to just come to you, but you've got to press in. Sometimes you've got to press through the barriers that stand blocking your approach. But if you will press in and press through, you will access what God said you can have. Never doubt. Have faith. Believe. Now, go with me in your Bibles, or you can look at the screen in James chapter 5 and verses 13 to 18. I wanna show you some things here. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. How many of you are suffering? There is something facing your life right now. Anyone here? Couple of you, couple of you. Here's what it says. If you're suffering, here's what you gotta do. Let him pray. Here's what I found when suffering comes to me and it has come to me. It's very hard to pray when there's suffering. You get so caught up in your pain, in your circumstances, that it's very hard to muster the spiritual energy to pray. Have you ever noticed that? So, yeah, James' writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is is giving you keys, spiritual keys, to unlock the unlimited supply of heaven. Say unlimited supply of heaven. Turn to someone next to you and say, "There is an unlimited resource available to you. Can you believe that right now? Come on, oh, is there someone that can believe this? How many of you have looked into the word and say, "Leon, you're speaking the truth." If you're suffering, Yah is your key. Let him pray. But what's our natural response when they're suffering? We back away from God. We somehow doubt the goodness of God. We somehow doubt the ability of God. We believe more in our circumstances, in our suffering than we do in the promise. There's gotta be a shift because suffering comes to everyone. Challenge comes to everyone. Storms will beat against your house. The difference between the believer and the unbeliever is when you know the word, when the storm has come, you stand on the rock of God's word, of his promises, and you stand when everything else collapses, you standing. Yeah. Don't just be a hearer, but you've got to then stand in that truth. Is anyone cheerful? Anyone cheerful yet today? Smile, tell your face. Someone said, how can I get the joy of the Lord? I said, just smile. Give God something to multiply. If you give something, then he says, it'll come back to you pressed down, shaken together and running over. Give a smile. Hallelujah. Yeah, I can see that worked well. This felt like I was being stared down by hell itself. That's why the prophet Jeremiah was told, don't look at their faces. I made a mistake. I looked at your faces. I know the word and I didn't do it. Let's look somewhere else. Smile. (laughs) Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Here's some keys. Notice one common word in all of this. What's it? Four-letter word, pray. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me speak about righteousness for a moment. How many of you have called on the name of the Lord? If you haven't, today's a good day to call on His name. me ask that question again so I can just memorize who needs to call how many of you have called on the name of the Lord and you're born again (laughs) I can't get you to raise your hand you see (laughs) I better just raise my hand I was a professional lifeguard for many years and I just got saved and I would always look for a hand waving in the ocean I see that hand God bless you God bless you God bless you That's how I got into the ministry. I was fired as a lifeguard. (laughs) I see that hand. Oh God bless you. Help, help. Such a friendly fella. He's waving at me. (laughs) If you have called on the name of the Lord, You are born again. You know that. I know this is spiritual um, infant language, but some people just need to hear it again. When you are born again, he who knew no sin became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God. And so when you pray, you've got to understand that you are made righteous because if you're living with a sense of guilt, shame, inferiority, Uh, or sin consciousness, it's very hard to activate faith in that environment. To activate faith, you've got to have a righteousness consciousness. You've got to know that you are a new creation. You've got to know that you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God, that you stand before God not in nakedness, shame, and guilt, but you are clothed in God's glory. Now, when you are righteous... You have unlimited access to God 24 7. Wow. Pastors can be pretty busy. You can be in need and you can text them, but they're in a meeting and they don't respond. They could be busy, they could be away, they don't respond. It's not that they don't care. But you know, we don't always just walk with this thing permanently buzzing because that's very irritating. If you're in a meeting, you put it on silent and you turn it over so you're not distracted. You focus on the thing. With God, he's never on mute. He's never on silent and his screen is never turned down. And you don't have to go through Gabriel, Michael, St. Peter, you have direct approach to God, the Creator of the universe. the one who said, "Let there be and there was." The one who parted the sea and they walked on dry land, that same God gives you open invitation. "Hey, call," and I will answer. Or the fervent, not just the indifferent mouthing of words, but the fervent, the passionate. The faithful prayer of a righteous man avails much. What's avail mean? Puts forth much power. When you pray from a position of righteousness and faith, which are one and the same thing, your prayers put forth much power. The fervent effectual prayer we don't just mouth words. We don't go through a little prayer ritual. They emanate from the heart of faith. We pray not only the, the situation we're facing, but more than that, we start to pray what the Word says about that situation. The longer you serve God and the more you study the Word, instead of praying the situation, you start to speak the Word into that situation. You start praying the answer, not the problem. It's called the prayer of faith will heal the sick because you know what the word says and you pray the word. Now, when you're just born again, oh God, I really need you here in this situation. It's so devastating. But once you know whose you are, what you've been given, you don't say, oh God, this is devastating. You say, God, thank you that this situation is subject to change. This package that has been delivered to my home, I don't have to receive. Thank you, God, for a spiritual breakthrough. That's the difference between spiritual infancy or carnality and faith, maturity. We'd become sons and daughters of God, not just sons and daughters, but mature sons where we have to discover the identity, the promise, the will of God, and we start to pray according to his word. This gives us confidence. Because I'm in direct alignment with God's will. His word and his will are one and the same thing. His word and his will will never contradict each other. So once I start to pray the will and the word, the answer is yes. Effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Then James likens us to Elijah, which to me is like whoo <laughs> Elijah's like my old testament prophet Yero. I'm drawing a lion in the sand, pick a side. If God be God. Be on this side. If you're on that side, you're gonna die. And I'm personally gonna be a part of your death. (laughs) Of course, I'm a new creation. But every now and again, I just like to admire Elijah. Blood splattered. Oh, what a great day at the office it was. (laughs) I just revived the nation. Broke a drought. Ran over 20 miles. (laughs) Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Now remember, God said to him, pray that it does not rain. He didn't just pray that it did not rain. God told him to pray. God told him that there's going to come a famine. In other words, Elijah got into alignment with what God said. Now, God does nothing on the earth without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. For God to move, he needs a people that will pray. He said to the prophet, Prophesy to these bones, hear the word of the Lord. When the prophet prophesied, the Spirit of God moved. If the prophet didn't get into agreement with God, the bones would have still been dry bones to this day. God actually uses you and me to change our world, to change our environment. Our prayers will make a difference if we pray. And if we pray the will and the word of God, it is subject to change. That's why the enemy wants to rob us of our prayer focus, rob us of our faith, rob us uh, by seeding our minds with doubt and fear and unbelief. Because we're like Elijah, we can win a nation back to God. This nation must be revived spiritually. The churches of the United States of America must be revived. We cannot keep doing what we are doing. We are losing this world. This nation was known by its faith, by its churches, by its leaders, godly people. Now, godlessness is taking over. Our nation is becoming like Sodom and Gomorrah, it's perverse corrupt, we are that gap that can bring about the change that is needed. That's why I'm talking about changing our spiritual landscape, changing the spiritual climate, moving mountains through faith and through prayer. We can bring the change that is needed starting here in you, starting here in us, and then radiating out into the neighborhood, into the nation, to the world. You may feel like I'm just an ordinary person. No, you're not. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Elijah prayed and it did not rain. And when he prayed, it rained. In other words, God's through James, through the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you can change the climate of your circumstances. Right. Pastor Kathy is a woman of faith. You say, uh, uh, that would be a good place to say amen, but this is my story. So she said to me, would you please come in January? <laughs> I live in Florida. I said to her, we've got a few months to prepare. When I come, I want you to pray. Do you remember? I think we went to Oriana to look for a down jacket so that I could come here in the winter, which I wouldn't need. We've had such good weather. You're welcome. I said, I'll come, but we need to have snowless days. Because I don't want to come here and that you can't get to the meeting because the roads are iced over. This is January, people. Well, you don't realize the miracle because you're just like, oh, well, what a nice day. It's sunny outside. No, it's a miracle. When do you have blue skies in Michigan in January? She prayed and I didn't have to be diverted to some dry spot waiting for the blizzard to pass. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Kathy. I appreciate the nice weather. I'm a mighty man of faith and power but I'm a wuss when it comes to cold. I just hate the cold. I said to God, send me anywhere. Uh, preferably Hawaii will be a great start for my ministry. And I end up in Michigan in January. <laughs> You've got some work to do there, son. You've got to change a little bit. You've got to change your attitude. Stop saying you're you a mighty man of faith. You can change circumstances. You can even change the weather. Uh, Pastor Kathy, will you please pray for the weather to be good? <laughs> That's what we do. We put the blame on someone else, don't we? hey, I'm sick, will you pray for me? It's okay, he says, if there be any sick among you, call on the elders, but there comes a point when you can stand for yourself and pray for yourself. It's fine to have prayer, but there's also a time when you just have to stand and press through for yourself as well. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly. Not he just prayed, but he prayed earnestly. I think the earnestly is missing from the modern-day church. I'm—I was born again in a Pentecostal church. I don't want to get into denominationalism. I'm not—I'm not a Pentecostal, although I am the product of the upper room. I speak in tongues and I prophesy. <laughs> the fire of God is set on me. The mighty rushing wind of God has filled me. But I don't like Pentecostalism, the religiosity of it. Do you understand? Um, Well, one thing I do know that as Pentecostals, when they went into a prayer meeting, they prayed fervently. Today, most people just like kind of mutter under their breath, you know, just like, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And it's just like vain repetitions. There's not that earnest appeal emanating that, that's laying a hold of what Christ has laid hold of for us. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to examine our prayer lives. I don't believe we need to pray all night, although it's not a bad thing. I, I, I remember when I was driving to a conference with my pastor from East London to Johannesburg. And um, it was about a thousand kilometers, like 700 miles, I guess. And uh, so he was telling me his stories. And he says, I, I've done this trip for years. My dad used to take me to this conference, in Pentecostal denomination, he said. And we'd stop over at this widow's house and she would pray right through the night. And I would lay in my bed listening to her and he said, she would pray the whole night, but her prayers were filled with such unbelief. Her words were so negative. Even though she was fervent. How many of you know that you can be fervent without faith? It's not just fervency. A prayer without faith. You might as well sing, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It's a waste of energy. All religions pray. They they sincere. Sincerity doesn't guarantee answered prayer. Fervency doesn't guarantee answered prayer, even though it says the fervent prayer. But it also says the effectual prayer. What makes a prayer effectual is you pray the will, the word, the answer, the faith. That's how you change the landscape. You don't change it by your sincerity. By your desperation. People are desperate every day in hospital. Oh God, oh God, oh God. But there's no faith. They don't know the word. They don't know the provision. Desperation doesn't guarantee. Sincerity doesn't guarantee. But what guarantees answered prayer is what? Faith. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. Faith will move a mountain. You have not because you ask not. But you've got to ask in faith. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Six times it says pray. We can change the climate, the spiritual climate. You can have a daily routine of prayer, but it could be just mouthing the same little prayer routine. Mm, Thank you, God, for blessing me, my household. Thank you for wealth, for strength. Amen. And you just say the same thing every single day, just your little routine. Prayer is not a little routine. You know Like the Pharisees, praying, mouthing the same words. It's the prayer of faith. It's praying the will of God, taking charge of that situation as a man or woman of God, standing in the midst of a world that needs a revival, saying, thank you, God, I prophesy to the four corners of my city, the south, the north, the east, the west. Now call the mighty wind of God to blow in my church and in every church, every pastor, every leader in the city to come under the power of God. And even those that are indifferent right now, I thank you that conviction is falling upon their hearts and their minds. They've been challenged in their passivity and in their indifference and awakening your word in them. Now you bring in the solution i have to close desperation and urgency is not enough hebrews 11:6 says but without faith it is impossible to please god for those that come to him must believe that he is And that he is a rewarder of those who not only seek him, but diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible. I looked at the Greek word for impossible. As a theologian, I love to study the Greek. So I went to the Greek restaurant down the road from me. And I ordered my lunch. I I think I've got Mediterranean blood in me. I love Greek food: feta cheese, olives, lamb. Even as a vegan, I eat lamb. <laughs> I identify as being vegan. A lamb eating vegan.. <laughs> Did you see my my big, fat Greek wedding? oh, you're a vegetarian, no problem, I'll give you some lamb. (laughs) It's one of my most favorite lines ever. (laughs) The word impossible in the Greek is going to blow you away. It means impossible. (laughs) Impossible. James 5 says, and the prayer of faith. James 1, 6, let him ask in faith. Matthew 21, 21, if you have faith and do not doubt. When you ask in prayer, believing. Why is it that we have so many unbelieving believers? I thought we are the household of faith. People actually are insulted by the message of faith in our nation they think it's some name it claim it frame it just because we believe in speaking the word of God the profession of our faith is the alignment of my tongue and my heart with what the word says and they think it's some quick get rich scheme oh you're one of those faith people yep are you like mega faith absolutely are you hyperfaith? Very, very, very hyperfaith. <laughs> but I'm not after stuff. Yes. Stuff knows how to find me. The Bible says if I seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, what I need will find me. I have a built-in GPS locator that the stuff that I need finds me. I use my faith to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to preach the gospel, to grow the church. To move mountains and to change the spiritual climate of my nation and the nation's. Now there are those that live in a world of greed and just because someone has been greedy going after stuff doesn't mean that they're a false prophet. It just means that they're living in the sensual realm, secular in their thinking. I don't criticize them. When a preacher gets a plane, I celebrate it. I don't know what he gave. If a preacher gets a great car, I'm not offended by that. You don't know how much they've given. Ask me how many cars I've given away. I'll tell you, I used to walk because I sold my car. And then when I got a car I was given a Mercedes-Benz, the Pentecostals were so offended, I just gave it away as well. Then I got a big truck that cost more than the Mercedes-Benz, and they were happy with that because it was a truck. Stupid people. And they sometimes on church boards. They're happy if you've got a truck, but they're unhappy if you've got a Mercedes Benz. Like, the truck costs more. It's a beast. And I take my truck and I park it in the, the green energy parking spot. And I walk away, waiting that someone would possibly come and say, How dare you? And I'll say, Listen, compared to a Mack truck, this thing is so low on fuel. This is the best in its range compared to these big trucks on the highway. Oh, it's green, brother, it's green. One day I went to the mall and there was a sign there for pregnant people to park. Have you seen the pink signs? And I went and parked my car there. Lady came walking up to me. She said, you're not pregnant. I said, listen, I am always carrying vision in my my spirit. I am so pregnant right now. I'm carrying triplets. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) You weirdo. (laughs) Well, you know in our nation, men can have babies. I am pregnant. (laughs) If you have faith and do not doubt, you'll say to this mountain, be lifted up and cast into the sea, and you will have what you say. Whatever you ask in prayer, Believing you will receive. Here's a saying for you Surfers surf. If a surfer doesn't surf, what is he? He's not a surfer. Surfers surf. Leaders lead. If you're a leader and you're not leading, you're not a leader. The title given to your name is what you are and what you do. Believers believe then why is the church so filled with doubt and unbelief? Because we're not growing in grace and growing in faith. We're allowing the infiltration of the message of the society around us to dominate our thinking. That when we do face circumstances that are contrary, we freak out. When you're given a bad report, You lay a hold of the report of God's word and you begin to speak into that report saying, This is temporal, but his word is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but this word abides forever. I believe the word of God. A close. Jesus never. Criticized anyone with hyper faith. He actually admired it. He he, Jesus is perfect in every way. How many of you know that? But when I read the scriptures and Jesus is before unbelieving people, it kind of irritated him. How much longer must I put up with this unbelieving generation? He said, have faith. He wanted his people to have faith. Mountain moving faith. Such great faith I haven't seen in all of Israel. He applauded great faith. Today in America, if you've got great faith, they think you're in a cult. They've been so blinded. That they think if you're in faith and you speak the word of God that you're one of those name it, claim it, frame it. They insult people of faith. But they'll be insulted when they pray their prayers of unbelief because they'll not be answered. <laughs> it's weird when, when I study the word of faith, and I don't believe it's a movement or a denomination. I think every church is, a, is the household of faith. One, one pastor came to me said, we're not word of faith. I said to him, okay, so you word of unbelief. He said, no, no. I said, no, either, the Bible says don't be double-minded. you either word of faith or you're the word of unbelief. What is it? What is it? They can't even stand in confidence saying I'm word of faith in case they're part of a cult. You're not in a cult when you believe God. You're a believer, believers believe. Surfers surf, leaders lead, believers believe. Are you a believing believer or a contradiction? Have faith in God. My faith is not in the message of faith. My faith is actually not even in the Bible. My faith is in God of the Bible. My faith isn't in the Bible, it's in the God of the Bible. Do you understand the difference? Believers believe. Every one of us is going to face circumstances that contradict the Word of God. People of faith will change it. God answers prayer. We must have faith and not doubt. Our confession must be bold. The word, you are known by what is in your heart. Out of the heart come the abundant, the, the issues of life. Out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you speak the word, then you are a believer. If you speak your circumstances, you speak in circumstances, you are unbelieving believer. Have the language of faith. I'm bilingual. In fact, I'm trilingual. I speak three languages. I speak English. Afrikaans, and tongues. If you are Afrikaans, I can speak to you and you will understand me and I will understand you. If you are in the Spirit and you speak the language of the Spirit, which is the language of faith, you'll understand it. If you're in unbelief and doubt, you'll think, Weirdos, you'll think it's weird when people say, praise the Lord, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Oh, he's one of those religious people. No, I'm just, you asked me how I am, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in coming in and I'm blessed in going out. I'm blessed sitting down and I'm blessed standing up. I'm the head and not the tail. You asked, why are you insulted when I say I'm blessed? Oh, well, you're one of those crazy Christians. Well, if you're talking about radical, on fire, born again, spirit-filled, yes, I am. If you're speaking about being weird, no, I'm not. Let me close. You either speak the language of faith or you speak in Americanese. There's a huge difference. In the spirit, we understand each other. So when you get around believers... You understand each other because you speak in the same language. My son was too young to learn Afrikaans. He's not fluent in it when we left to come to America. So I can actually speak to my wife about my son and he just sits smiling, (laughs) thinking I'm saying good things and I'm talking about the things he needs to change in his life. (laughs) He's irritating me and he's sitting thinking, some other thing. I can stand in line and talk about what's going on in the environment, no one knows what I'm saying. I could be standing saying, yeah, these people are so irritating. They're so annoying. The science says, when you go into the airport, take everything out your pockets. And they go through the metal detector. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, there's keys. Go out, put the keys through. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, there's my wallet. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, I've got a big metal belt. And I can stand to my heart and say, You don't know what I'm saying. And in the spirit, we can speak the same language. Because we're in the same culture. We speak the same language, the language of faith. The language that changes our environment, our clothes. I said that three times. Five. I actually have a problem, I lie a lot. I'm working at it, my therapist is working hard. I close brother, stand with me. Our world needs changing, we need a shift. This church needs changing for the good. It's doing good, but it can do better. We need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our believers. We need to start, and and, and I love the songs we've been singing about the miracles, but we need to start speaking and prophesying that not only in our worship, but in our prayer closets as well. We need to be praying, we need to be, you have not because you ask not. We can be having miracles every single time we gather. Let's build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Let's pray in the Spirit. Let's increase, expand our faith capacity in God. How many of you were challenged today? Prayerlessness must go. If you're prayerless, get back to the prayer closet. If you don't pray, then live out of your own resource and watch how quick it's depleted. But you have unlimited access to God himself, the creator of the universe, who says ask and you shall receive. Who wants their prayer language and their prayer life to go up a higher notch? Hallelujah. And I think you have corporate prayer meetings, but they are on Zoom. If you're not a part of those meetings, get into them and begin to pray. Let's join forces. Through technology, praying together, how often do you do it? Twice a week? Once just for the leadership? If you're in the leadership, you need to be in that one. If you're not in leadership, get in the other one. Is it posted where everyone knows it is, when it is, or is it secret code? We're like a secret code society. We challenge you to pray, then we don't tell you when to pray corporately with us, because if you're really spiritual, you'll find it. It's kind of like the underground church in China. We're going to meet, okay? And they have to hear from God where they're going to meet. (laughs) So if you want to pray, find out corporately. Lord God, take us higher, take us deeper. World changes, moving mountains, changing the climate of this nation by changing the climate in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, and in our church And then into the society around us to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.